Golden West Radio Network presents Crisis. Show me a man who claims no vices, and I'll show you a liar, so says the skeptic. Well, there can be no doubt that all of us fall short of perfection in one way or another, but if it's any comfort to us, there's nothing new about our vices. Name any one you like. We have records that show mankind has been failing in that same department for hundreds, even thousands of years. Every generation simply adds its own distinctive twist to a very ancient list of human failings. Come on, Midnight. Faster. Faster. You can do it. You can do it, girl. Come on, we're almost there. Faster. Faster, Midnight. Now. Now. Ha ha. I beat you, Handsacker, just as I said I would. Yes, yes, you beat me, Tribble. You owe me ten dollars. Yes, yes, you'll have your winnings. What did you have to, uh, what did you have to give for that mare you're riding, huh? A deal more than old Midnight cost me, I'll wager. Well, she's very valuable to me. That's why I reined in. You reined in? When? When you overtook me. You're talking like a poor loser, Handsacker. I reined her in. Rather than do her harm. Harm? Don't make me laugh. You rode as fast as you could ride. But Midnight and I were faster. And I am considerably lighter than you are. Well, I wouldn't punish horse flesh the way you do, Tribble. Here. Here's your ten dollars. Ah, very good, Mr. Hunsager. Well, you laughed. Does winning ten dollars please you so much? No, I was just thinking of the situation, that's all. Huh? What situation? Why the difference between you and me? You, a rich and important man, powerful, influential, and me, your tenant, your serf, a poor widower, scratching to make his living by keeping your books and a few other people's books and never turning away a penny's worth of extra work if I can make it. And, uh, you find that... Amusing. What I find amusing, Mr. Hunsaker, is that although our fortunes are far apart, we seem to share the same vices. What vices? What vices? You forget. I keep your accounts. I know what goes in and what goes out. I know how you spend every dollar. Oh, I'm the soul of discretion, you understand. But nevertheless, it's amusing to me to know that you are as much a prisoner of your vice as I am. Oh, well, let's leave it at that. I have given you my complete trust, Tribble. Of course, and I honor that trust. Betrayal is not one of my vices. No, sir. I'm proud to say that Jacob Tribble is as good as his word. All I say to you is, you are compelled to gamble. You will wager on anything. So will I. But then I'm only a humble private bookkeeper. But you, Mr. Hunsaker, you own the bank, and you are gambling with funds which do not belong to you. Our story, A Betting Man, continues in one minute. Now, Crisis brings you A Betting Man. Daddy? Hmm? Daddy, I know I'm not to interrupt. Well, that's I... right, Katie, my dear. Not while I'm trying to finish my accounts. One little mistake in my arithmetic and I... But, Daddy, I've just been out feeding midnight, and there's something wrong with her. Hmm? Well, her breathing is strange, and she seems to be bloated. Oh. Daddy, did you run her this afternoon? Run her? 
Oh, I may have let her have her head a little. And the water trough was empty. Well, she's acting as if she'd been run too much and then took too much water. Oh, she'll be all right. Now, let me get back to my figures. Yes, Daddy. Oh, by the way, Kate, my dear, come here. Yes? Look here what I have for you. Do you think you can put this to good use at the Emporium for a new dress and some ribbon and such as that? Ten dollars? Daddy, where did you get it? Can we afford it? Yes, yes, we can afford it. Now, you take it for being such a sweet girl. (laughs) But but so much. Where did it come from? Why, from a grateful client. A little bonus, as you might say. Oh, you must be a wonderful bookkeeper. I I know you are. Yes, well, you you take this down to the Emporium tomorrow and see what it'll buy. Oh, Daddy, thank you. You're welcome, Katie. Now, why don't you let me see if I can finish these books tonight for Mr. Hunsaker. Mr. Hunsaker? Is he very rich? (laughs) Is he very rich? Well, if you add up all the mortgages he owns, including ours, and all the interest being paid to him, uh, not counting what he takes out of his banking business, you might say that Mr. Hunsaker owns this town, and about half the people in it. He's so fat and ugly. What kind of a man is he? What kind? Mr. Micah Hunsaker is no more saintly than any of the rest of us, and probably no more of a sinner either, for that matter. The chief difference with Mr. Hunsaker is he is able to enjoy the luxury of deciding what to do with his money. Most men don't have that luxury. Every penny we can earn is committed. But the rich have options. Oh, I'll see who it is. One of your bow, I'll bet you. Oh, Daddy. Good evening, Kate. Daniel MacArthur. I'm sorry to be calling so late, but uh, I was riding past on the way from seeing a patient, and I... A patient? A horse or a dog? <laughs> well, it, w- it was a pony, actually. A-, a birthday gift to a young man who wasn't taught how to care for it, I'm sorry to say. Oh. Oh, how wonderful that you're here. Who is it, Kate? Uh, Dr. MacArthur, Daddy. Oh, he's doing his books. You uh, said it was wonderful that I'm here? Oh, yes, uh, because there's something wrong with Midnight. Your mayor? Where, where is she? I'll see her right now. about the best I can do for her tonight, Mr. Tribble. Well, you're kind to spend so much time with the old girl, Doctor. Only I have a feeling it's not the veterinarian that's so devoted. Sir? Well, that horse doesn't require bedside nursing. Could it be there's another attraction hereabouts? Uh, Daddy. Well? Well, you're perfectly right, Mr. Tribble. It's purely a joy for me to be here because, well, because of Kate. You have a wonderful daughter, sir. You must be very proud of her. That I am, my friend. That I am. And I aim to keep her around for a few more years. Daddy! I don't blame you in the least, sir. No, not in the least. You see, Dr. MacArthur, I'm a widower. Katie's mother passed on four years ago this summer, and, well, Kate and I sort of comfort each other. She's the cook, and I try to be both mother and father to her. Of course. We we need each other, is what it comes down to. I understand that. Hey, Daddy, for heaven's sake, he didn't ask for my hand. Why, Daniel and I are just friends. Isn't that right, Daniel? Just friends? Uh, yes, Kate. Uh, I'll be whatever you want me to be. There, you see. A level-headed young man in a vital and respected profession. A good friend to have. But just a friend for now. Correct, my dear?
Come in. Here's me. Oh, oh, Tribble, Tribble. Yes, here, uh, I'll take the books. Everything's in order. Oh, that's, that's fine, that's fine. Well, I'll be going. You, uh, look tired, Tribble. It's only 10.30 in the morning. Well, I worked on your books until late last night, and I walked to town this morning. Oh? You didn't ride midnight? She's, uh, got something the matter with her. Yes, I expect she has. Look, uh, sit down here, Tribble. Uh, Chibble, I, I'm disturbed at a remark you made to me yesterday. Oh, what was that? Uh, about my gambling with funds, other people's funds. That is slander, Tribble. I didn't mean anything by it's it. It's a terrible thing to say. My banking affairs are completely separate from my personal affairs, and funds I may use for uh, speculation, wagering, or my own. Is that clear? Yes, sir, but I didn't mean anything by it. All the same, I've been doing some serious thinking, Tribble. I've decided to relieve you of the responsibility of doing my accounts. Ah, you... It appears that you have taken a personal interest in how I spend my personal funds. (laughs) And I cannot tolerate that. What I spend for my own recreation is nobody's business but my own. But you ran it through your books, sir, as a loan. What difference does it make? It makes no difference to you. Not anymore. I shan't require your services after today, Tribble. I see. All right. Oh, and uh, there is one other thing. A matter of bank business, Mr. Tribble. You were two months in arrears on your mortgage payment. Why, why, I've been two months behind for over a year now. You've always been willing to carry me. But no more, Tribble. No more. The bank is obligated to carry out sound business practices. I'm afraid if your payments are not brought up to date immediately, the bank will have no choice but to foreclose. Now, now, wait a minute. This can't be. Why, yesterday afternoon we were racing our horses together... Betting together, and now... And now our positions are once again clear. You are the debtor. I am the creditor. But you're cutting me out. How can I pay the back payments when you cut me out? How indeed. Now, wait. You're a sporting man, Hunsaker. Suppose... Suppose we say... Suppose we say double or nothing. A cut of the cards... I'll either owe you twice the value of the mortgage payments, or I'll owe you nothing. And what good would it do me to have you owe double what you owe now? You can't repay me as it is. But there must be something, something of mine that you'd take. Hmm. Hmm. Yes. Yes, perhaps there is. Name it. It's yours. Ah, but it isn't yours to give. What are you talking about? Oh, nothing, nothing, Tribble, nothing. I'll, I'll think on it a while. Then I'll come and see you. In the meantime, we'll let things stand as they are. Then the uh, the books and the mortgage... You will continue to do my accounts, and I shall continue carrying your mortgage until we come to terms. So far, Hunsaker sounds like a mixture of Scrooge and Simon Legree, and Tribble, 
a less sympathetic Bob Cratchit. Except, don't forget, both men, despite their completely opposite financial standings, share the same passion for gambling. And in the next few minutes of our story, this mutually shared vice will provide us with a wind-up that should surprise you. It's been nearly a week since banker Hunsaker threatened to foreclose and then changed his mind. Out of the Tribble's bungalow at the edge of town, Jacob hasn't had a moment's peace, tormented by the knowledge that Hunsaker is playing him as a cat toys with a mouse just before it devours him. Maybe he's really had a change of heart. Hunsaker, a change of heart? He doesn't own a heart, Katie. And all his money can't buy one. Well, what do you think he'll ask of you? I can't imagine. This old place is worthless. We don't have a fortune. We don't even have good land enough to farm here. Why must he torment us so? Oh, well, it's my problem, not yours, my dear. Oh. Maybe it's young MacArthur. Yes, maybe it is. I'll go. Well, good day, Miss Tribble. Uh, Mr. Hunsaker. I've come to see your father, if he's in. Uh, Yes, yes, he's in. Uh, Come inside. Uh, Thank you, thank you. Ah, Tribble. So, you've come. Yes. You know my daughter, Kate. Oh, yes, indeed. I've seen her many times. Watched her grow up, as a matter of fact. When I first saw you, young lady, you were no higher than your father's belt. (laughs) You've grown some. How old would you be now? Oh, excuse me. Not a very gentlemanly thing to ask of a young lady now, is it? She's 19. Can I get you anything, Mr. Hunsaker? Katie, haven't we a drop of sherry in that old bottle? No, no, no. I I won't be needing anything to drink, thank you. I took care of that proposition before coming to your door. Uh, I think I have chores to finish, uh, if you'll excuse me. Go ahead, Katie. Uh, may, uh, may I take a chair, Tribble? What? Oh, oh, yes, certainly, certainly. I'm sorry. Well, aren't you going to sit down? Huh? Oh, oh, yes, 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 of course. (laughs) Good, good. Hunsaker, you've made this past week a living hell. I have? Yes. Not knowing whether we'll be evicted, not knowing what you may have in mind. Well, now it has taken me some time to deliberate on the questions, Tribble. Yes, I've had to cogitate, to weigh the situation carefully. Owing to your recklessness with money, you may be expected never to acquire anything of value that might be taken in trade for what is owed me. I suppose you're right. And yet, the debt must be paid. Oh, of course, the debt must be paid. Never mind that you're rolling in wealth while I have barely two coppers to rub together at the end of a month... Yet you and your kind get richer while I and my kind get poorer uh, by keeping you rich. Tut, tut, tut now, Tribble. You make the common error all poor people make. You somehow think that to have sufficient means is to have no further needs. But I assure you that even a man in comfortable financial circumstances still must live, still must seek satisfactions that, well, money cannot buy. Which, by the way, brings me to my proposition. Yes, And what is it? I propose, Jacob Tribble, to offer you a way to settle your long-standing indebtedness. A sporting way. A way which will appeal to your spirit of adventure. (laughs) Do you have a deck of playing cards? Why, yes. Will you get them and put them here on this table, please? Here, they're in this drawer. Good. Here you are. Here you are, right here. All right, very well. Now, 
The other day, you proposed settling your debt with a cut of the cards. Now, I am agreeable to that proposition now, but with slightly different stakes. Yes, go on. You will cut the deck, conceal the card that lies on the bottom half of the deck. Then I will do the same. Then we will turn over our respective cards. Now, the holder of the higher card will win. I suggest aces high. Yes, all right, but uh, but what are the stakes? If your card is uh, the higher, I will tear up the mortgage on this property and will personally cancel all other notes held by the bank or by me personally, which you owe. You, you mean... I mean you would be out of debt, free and clear. Probably for the first time in your life. Very generous, but what if you win? If I turn up the higher card of the two cards, you will still be free and clear of all debts. What? I don't understand. Your debts will be canceled because you will have forfeited something I want very much to possess. What? What? Now, what is it? Your daughter. What? I'm a very rich man, Tribble, but a very lonely man. No woman ever chose to accept my proposals of marriage. What I propose is to make your daughter comfortable for the rest of her life. As my wife. Kate? Married to you? A man, she's only 19. You must be 55. A very comfortable accommodation can be reached here, Tribble. Think. However you cut the cards, you cannot possibly lose. Either way, you are free of debt. But Kate... She will never lack for anything in this whole wide world. I know she's interested in that young, that young veterinarian, but what can he give her? Believe me, Tribble, I'm offering you a chance to give your daughter a life of plenty. Something I doubt she could ever enjoy otherwise. Oh, this is monstrous. I, I just won't do it. Ah, but you will. I... And here's why. Number one, you can't resist the odds. Fifty-fifty. You may win. You have every bit as good a chance to win as I do. And number two... If you refuse my proposition, Tribble, I shall foreclose on you immediately and call in all the notes you owe, and you and your daughter will be in the street within 72 hours. Now, what do you say? Do you care to shuffle, or shall I? Go right ahead. All right. Very well. Now, make your cut. All right. Now it's my turn. Right now, go ahead. Look at your card. The nine of diamonds. The nine. Very well. Let's see what I have. Oh, well, well, well. The ace. The ace of hearts. <laughs> How appropriate, Tribble. <laughs> Very well. I am a man of my word. You shall have Kate as your wife. But as her father, I'm entitled to make certain conditions. Well? As you know, Kate will be broken-hearted. She will get over it. It'll take time to prepare her for the marriage, unless you wish a weeping wife. How much time? Six months. Six months? Six months from today, Kate will be yours. She must be prepared for this, Hunsaker. What's six months out of a lifetime? Well, very well. And during this time, you must not attempt to see her, to court her, or call on her. What? 
If I were you, and I mean this for your own good, I would bend every effort to lose some weight. You should attempt to look like a younger man, for her sake, as well as your own. In six months' time, you could do it. Hmm. Well, perhaps you're right. Very well. Let it stand. In six months, I shall be slim and trim and ready to claim your daughter. Well, here I am. I can scarcely believe my eyes. You've done it. I weigh what a man of 25 might weigh. And you look elegant. A fine figure for your son-in-law, eh, Jacob? <laughs> uh, yes. Well, now, uh, where, uh, where is she? It is six months to the day. Is she reconciled to marrying me? Oh, yes. Well, uh, where is she? In her room. Does she know what I've done with myself? No, I've left it as a surprise. Uh, I can hardly wait. Uh, let me call her. Katie? Uh, Katie, Mr. Hunsaker's here. Come on out now. And here she is. As good as my word, Hunsaker, I present to you my only daughter, Katie Tribble, your bride. Tribble, what have you done? What have you done to her? What? Is that any way to speak to the girl of your dreams? Look at her. In heaven's name, Tribble, look. Why, why she's grotesque. <laughs> now see what you've done. What I've done. I've gone through six months of torture and fasting to lose a hundred pounds. And all the while... All the while, poor Katie's been so miserable, she's eaten herself into a state of uh, extreme obesity. I'm very much afraid she's gained a hundred pounds. She's a cow. A buffalo tribble. No one would have her. I'd be the laughing stock of the county. You, oh, you tricked me. But she's yours. Take her. I wouldn't be seen dead with her, tribble. Goodbye. <laughs> All right, all right, Katie. He's gone. Now you can now you can go back to your room and take those bed pillows off and spit out that cotton in your cheeks and let's get on with the real wedding. Oh, Daddy, do you mean it? Oh, can I tell him? Of course you can tell him. Tell him you'll be Mrs. Daniel MacArthur as soon as you two can arrange it. But you better not let him see you like that. Oh, Daddy. And you won't change your mind. Kate Treble, don't you know? I am a man of my word. We'll be back with a word about next week's program in just a minute. Tonight, Crisis presented A Betting Man with Tony Karloff, Doug Young, Debbie Adair, and Mark Wayne. The program was written and produced by yours truly, Jim French, at Audio Recording Incorporated in Seattle. Sound by Jeff Thompson, engineering by Carney Barton. We invite you to join us next week for Crisis. Crisis.